everyone, and welcome to Minute 95 of Season 3 of Movie Around Minute, the daily podcast, where we yippee-ki-yay our way through the 1988 Bruce Willis action flick, Die Hard, one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me today for the final time this season, hopefully he'll be back next season, when, when I decide what I'm going to do next season, uh, <laughs> is Jim O'Kane, the godfather of the Movies by Minute. Uh, community, the producer of, of five, almost six uh, movies by minute group projects, uh, plus uh, dozens upon dozens of guest uh, shows on the desk uh, of guest uh, spots on lots of other movies by minute shows. And obviously, you know, he's, he's done uh, two or three of his own and there's another one coming. There's another one coming out uh, just in February. So welcome back, Jim. Yes, th- thanks so much for having me on, Rob. I feel like uh, the Charles Nelson Riley of uh, of movies by minutes. I seem to be uh, every time you turn on, you know, it's all the different game shows. You'd suddenly pop up with Charles Nelson Riley on yet another show. So I just kind of a uh, a series. Yeah, but he's there as a filler. You're not. Yeah. You oh, know. that's good. Thank you very you're much. You're here. You're here to add something to to. And I always <laughs> love my discussions with you. I've I've had great discussions with you all week. I mean, I feel like I've been like tossing and turning all night waiting to talk to you again. You know. <laughs> I don't know. Gosh, it's so close to reality. <laughs> <laughs> well, of course, because we do these day by day. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes. Here we go. Yeah, and it's just and just minutes apart. It's weird. It's, it's yeah, completely. It's a time completely. travel without without all the machinery. Yes. Um, but, hey, it uh, works. This, Why not? Yeah, yeah. Here we are again. So, uh, fin- finishing up the week here on minute ninety-five with uh, yeah. a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff going on. A lot of stuff getting set up. That's right. So uh, minute 95 begins with John asking a question and ends with John not acting very surprised. So yesterday we ended things with, uh, you know, John seeming to, you know, be very friendly with with, uh, Bill, Bill Clay. And then he starts pulling out uh, a gun from his waistband, which... You know, we were talking about this yesterday. Someone who's never seen this movie, I wonder what they would think at this point. Do they think that he's taking that gun out in order to uh, give it to Bill? Is he taken out because he suspects something? You know, like you, you can just imagine someone just pulling a gun out of their belt and just, you know, shooting someone in the head right right there. You know, it just – it could be. I mean, obviously, we, we yeah. know what's going to happen. We know what uh, what John's intentions are here because you and I have both seen this movie as well. As I'm yeah. assuming most people who are listening to this have already also. Yeah, you and know. he's already got the uh, he's already got the rifle trained on him too, or he's, yeah. he's kind of moved it back to like port arms. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's odd that that's the first thing he offers him. Yeah, um, I would you know well he didn't know the first thing he offered him was a no, cigarette. No, a cigarette. So, cigarette. Yeah, no, but yeah. that's the cigarette is to uh, you know lower the mood, make things uh, nice and and fun, you know maybe try and catch him off guard. You know that type of yeah. thing. I think I think that is part of the idea of the of the cigarette. I mean, as as I uh, recall when I when I read from the script yesterday, so the script actually had the point where you know he he was upset about the fact that he's giving away his last cigarette. You know, yeah. it it said you know that 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 he was you know he saw he only had two and he's like oh I can't believe I have to give one of these away. You know that type of thing. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's simultaneously first he's using the cigarette to disarm. Uh, Bill Clay, and then he's arming him again with a handgun. So it's like disarming and, and rearming all at the same time. Yeah, um, exactly. I uh, it, it the uh, 
the question there being ever using ever using a handgun did ever use a handgun bill is what McLean asked him and a uh, fascinating answer that Hans comes back with with talking about uh, paintball yeah. uh, you know paintball at some kind of like company picnic thing basically yeah I mean it's also um, very interesting the way that he says it you know he says he says you know how to use a handgun bill and he goes I spent a week in a combat ranch you know the game with a gun that shoots red paint probably seems kind of stupid to you but I mean first of all you know, the, the idea of spending an entire weekend doing that type of thing. And you, you probably didn't use it. He probably didn't use a handgun. You know, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, there's, there's, there's probably a, a big Nerf gun, you know, with paint coming yeah. out the side. And, uh, exactly. And everybody, everybody dressed up in, you know, motorcycle helmets and stuff. It's, uh, and you know, again, Hans is telling him this so that it sounds like he is as inoffensive as possible. This is the only thing that this guy knows about is paintball guns. And, you know, he's never, He's never fired a, a projectile that wasn't filled with, uh, you know, Glidden number six paint or whatever uh, to, right. to shoot at people. So he's just trying to get, he's still trying to get McLean to be off off guard or, or you know, a, a kind of dismissive. Right. I mean, first of all, I, I find it once again great how Hans is, you know, answering this on the fly. You know, he's, he's yeah. able to make these things up really, really quickly. The idea of you ever use it and say, oh, yeah, I used to go play paintball. Now, what, what do you know about paintball? I mean, first of all, have, let, let's, let's, yeah. let's before we get into the history of paintball and stuff like that, have, have you ever played paintball? Uh, I have shot. Actually, it was <laughs> it was at a company picnic uh, a long, long, long time ago. Wait, was was Hans Gruber there, or was Bill Clay no, there? No, 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 no. But they, a lot of guys that were like Bill Clay. It was it was at a company picnic. They had a paintball like a paintball alley thing. And you basically put on these large uh, poncho raincoats thing, which doesn't work at all, by the way, because it stops at about your knees. And uh, I had, I had pants that were covered in green paint for, uh, for the longest time. I still like those pants, but it was just like, ah, should I just worn shorts that day? Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it was interesting. I was, I found out I'm very bad at it. Um, I can shoot, I can shoot real firearms. I've, I've, I've used real firearms, but oh come uh, on, you're from Texas, of course you do. Yeah, yeah. Oh gosh, you know, it's uh, they. I can, I can see, I can see the armory behind you. Yeah, I'm just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. (laughs) You should keep the, you know, the the 12 gauge over the door just in case. Yeah. Uh, Um, but the uh, yeah, it it's uh. The lessons we learned from Western. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Take down the 12 gauge from from uh, on top of the door before you open the door. Yeah. Yeah. You never. Yeah. That's that. That's the uh, the how to how to answer a door quickly. Yes. Uh, the uh, uh, but it's it's like the paintball is not like firing any kind of firearms that I've ever felt. It's more like using a using a nail gun would be the but it, it's very yeah. mm-hmm. it, it's very percussive. Uh, I mean, like you know, shotguns are are percussive, but it's very hard to aim. These large uh, balls, they're about the size, they're not as quite as big as a, they're about half the size of a ping pong ball, I'd say. Yeah. And uh, I, I don't know if you've, if you've played with a paintball at all. Yeah, I've, I've, I've done it numerous times. So I'll get to my stories after yours. Yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> but it's, uh, that was, I did that at one afternoon, it was my total of, uh, of paintball. More of my, uh, I used, well, the company, the company that I worked with, one of their subsidiaries was a Heckler and Coke. So, uh, there's a lot of there was a lot of opportunities for all kinds of different uh, weapons. They had a at at the Heckler and Coke uh, headquarters um, in their basement. They had this long it was uh, an old uh, cement sewer uh, pipe that was about maybe four or five feet tall, and they had a they had targets down the back, 
and uh, they were licensed with automatic weapons. I got, uh, uh, and uh, you know everything from from Uzis to Thompson machine guns and all kinds of stuff. Um, I never got to fire the Uzi, but uh, I did get to uh, fire three shots on a Thompson machine gun, and that was uh, that was an interesting feeling. Oh wow! Um, but uh, and the MP5s, they had an uh, interesting story with the MP5. Uh, the MP5 is a machine gun that uh, is probably best known from the movie Aliens. And uh, if you looked at the, when they when the Space Marines were landing and they were shooting their MP5s, they had a little counter that showed how many. Uh, how many rounds they had left in the chamber in, yeah. you know, in, in, in the magazine. Mm-hmm. And that proved so popular. There were several um, uh, uh, organizations that were, that, that were purchasing automatic weapons that wanted the counter put on the real MP5. Oh, wow. So uh, <laughs> H&K actually developed a counter, which doesn't make sense because why would you want anybody else to know? I mean, it should be facing the... How many bullets you have left. You know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So... If you can't count, you know, it's, um, but it's, uh, yeah, it's just an interesting sideline of finding out how movies have affected the industry itself. Wow. Um, but it's a lot different than, than a paint, than a paint gun. Yes. So, anyway, and it, and it hurts, you tell and it, it hurts a little more. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <a bit. laughs> than, than a paint gun, right? No, so I, yeah, you, you don't, yeah, go ahead. Back, back in high school, I remember, uh, you know, going with friends and playing paintball somewhere or whatever. I mean, I once was a counselor in a camp. I think this was in, 91 so i must have been 17 at the time so we had a free day and me and a group of friends we all went to go play paintball at like someplace nearby and we were put up against these like uh these guys from the military who just creamed us you know <laughs> we, we all we all we all got back that night with you were, with lots. you were their target practice. yes yeah. completely we, we had lots and lots of welts from from that uh-huh. and I, I also recall that i once went a friend of mine uh, he had a bachelor party where we went and, and played it, and we played it in, in, at like midnight, which was a lot more fun. You know, I, wow. I, I got to say, laser tag is also more fun than than paintball because laser tag doesn't hurt. You know, when you when yeah, you get hit. Yeah, that's, yeah, <laughs> we're in that thing. It, uh, it's funny speaking of uh, bachelor parties. My my bachelor party, since we're in Texas, my bachelor party was at a shooting range, and I had a lot of uh, a lot of my friends from back east had uh, had come out to to the wedding. And we went down to the shooting range, and they had all kinds of, you know, pistols and uh, long guns and, and everything. And uh, they had a, uh, they had everything from, you know, you could get a Derringer if you wanted to, to try it out. Oh wow! And uh, one one of the uh, my uh, uh, my a friend of mine who had passed away, his son, I invited to the to the bachelor party, and his mom, who was also friends with, had come with him. So we had a woman a woman at the bachelor party. Um, but she was the, she's the best shot I've ever known. She was hitting, uh, we had you know we had like a, a thirty foot range and a fifty foot range, and she was uh, with a pistol hitting hitting the fifty foot range in the you know in the center, wow, uh, around around the center. And uh, her son is just as much a, a Texas dead eye as she was. And we one of the things that uh, we had the opportunity. I, I hope was her husband didn't get... didn't die under suspicious circumstances. No, 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 no. He, <laughs> okay. uh, he, 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 he was a natural causes, but, uh, uh, but yeah, she's, that's what they say. I would, I would, <laughs> I would be very careful knocking on their door at night. Um, but, uh, her, her, her son got out, he said, would you mind if I use the, uh, the golden Eagle, which is a 50 caliber pistol. Wow. And it fires, you know, half in, 50 caliber shots. And so we're, we're all, we all have headphones on, you know, you know the, the ear protection and, uh, he, he gets out the, the Eagle 
and fires downrange. And like everybody else is going, click, 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 click. And he hits this thing, and it's like a cannon going up. It's like, wow. boom. And every, everybody in the place turn are like, what was that? But uh, he he was a little bit off on the first shot, but then the next the next three he just landed right in the center. Wow! And it's like wow, I I'm I'm lucky if I if I can hit within the within the area of the paper, I'm I'm happy with it. Right. No, I've um, I've I've shot a thirty caliber and a fifty caliber uh, machine gun. Wow. You know, not not a pistol. Oh wow! I, I've I've never shot. I mean, that was when I was in the military, so it was, it was you know during yeah during training exercises and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, but I've never I've I, I've never I don't think I've ever seen a handgun that carries a fifty caliber. You know. Yeah, it's it's unreal. I mean, the the sound of it and just I've, I I fired it once and it's just uh it is like holding onto a cannon. I mean, you just it 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 has quite a kick. Wow. Um. My my wife is from Massachusetts and never, gosh, she was in her uh, early fifties the first time she had actually held a, a handgun. And we were at we were down at uh, in Florida at Cape Canaveral, and she said, you know, I've never fired a a gun before. And I said, well, let's let's go to the range. You can try it out. And so she got out a nine millimeter, and um, what you know started plinking away, and she just got closer and closer and closer, and finally got the center by. I, I think she just had. She had reloaded once, and it's like, oh, you got the hang of this already. Wow! So she's definitely, definitely a. Uh, I, I, I always want to stay on her good side. Yeah, I, I completely understand. <laughs> but, I actually took someone out on a date to a tar- to a shooting range years and years ago. Wow! Yeah, yeah. yeah. She, she, uh, we were talking, and yeah, she, she said she'd never shot a gun, and I was like, hey, this is a great idea. Why don't we go to a shooting range? There you go. You know, we had like an hour yeah, at the shooting yeah, range. Yeah. They do like a short little, uh, you know, instruction and stuff like that. And it was, I mean, obviously things things have changed in the last twenty years that uh, the rules have yeah. changed <laughs> as to how you can go to a shooting yeah. range. But uh, but back then, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, go right ahead. The uh, my my wife still, I still owe her a trip to uh, an, a range where she can shoot a long gun. She's never shot a rifle before. Well, now you know what so, to get her, get her I mean, for her birthday. Yeah, there we go. You know, but she'll put her eye out with those things. So I got. It's not a it's not a BB yeah, gun she, around Christmas time. Come on. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so we'll yeah we'll we'll get her down to get her into get her into a long gun some sometime. And she also wants she's never done archery. I, I said, didn't you ever go to summer camp? What I don't you know I. <laughs> so anyway, we've got to get we've got to get her uh, better versed on her on her weaponry, uh, medieval and otherwise. But, yeah, completely. Um, but, so, uh, so back to my original question. Yeah. What, what, do, what yeah. do you know about the history of paintball? Um, nothing. <laughs> nothing at when, all. When do you think when do you I, think paintball was invented? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go late. I'm gonna say like 1970. No, you're not. You're not late enough. It was in 19 oh, really? 1981. It was it was wow. invented okay. in New Hampshire by a man named Hale, Hayes Knoll, who was a stock uh, a Wall Street stock trader. Uh, along with uh, an outdoorsman named Charles Gaines, they huh. they basically had a debate as to uh, you know whether someone uh, whether a sli- city slicker was able to would have the instinct to survive in the woods against the man who had you know who had spent his uh, his his entire life hunting, fishing, building cabins, and things like that. So they uh-huh. they uh, they decided they they saw that an advertisement for a paint gun. And they decided that let's settle our argument by, uh, you know, making this a competition. And they ended up creating the the, uh, the sport of paintball. But wow. I thought I thought it would have come out of uh, the short story, the most dangerous game. Uh, no, uh, but, no, uh, no, no, come on. That's, yeah, the but, most dangerous uh, game. You really want to kill somebody? It... This is, you know, this is just a friendly yeah. argument yeah. between two people. I'm just. 
I just want to know, how do they get the paint in the balls? How does that... I, I'd love to see that process. I would watch a YouTube video of showing, you know, how they get... They, there must be some kind of an injector, or maybe they have something where you fill up the bottom half and then it puts the top half on. Um, I it's just... Uh, it'd be interesting interesting engineering. I'm sure there's... I'm sure there's All right, a, I'll, I'll read you, I'll read you what it says in, in, in Wikipedia about that, okay? The, the pellets... Uh, okay. The ammunition used yeah. in, in paintball are spherical gelatin capsules containing primary, uh, primarily polyeth polyethylene glycol uh, or other non-toxic water-soluble substances and dye. The quality of paintball is dependent on, hmm. on the brittleness of the ball shell, the roundness of the sphere, and the thickness of the fill. Higher quality balls are almost perfectly spherical while uh, with a very tiny, a very thin shell to guarantee breaking upon impact and a thick, brightly color colored fill that is difficult to hide or wipe off during the game. The highest grade paintballs incorporate cornstarch and metallic flake into the fill to leave a thick glittery splat that is very obvious against any background mm. color and hard to wipe off. Almost all paintball in use today are biodegradable. All ingredients used in making yeah, of a paintball are food grade quality and are harmless to the participants and the environment. Manufacturers and distributors have been making the effort to move away from the traditional oil-based paints and compressed CO2 gas propellant to a more friendly water-based formula that comp and compressed air in an effort to become more eco-friendly. Paintballs come in various sizes, including 13 millimeter and 17 millimeter. So there you go. I don't, I don't know if that really answers your question, but you know. Yeah, no, I'm, I, I've. I mean, the two things I've wondered is how do you make the how do you make the paint pellet, and the other part is, it when it hits you, it breaks. You know, it's like throwing an egg at somebody. But how how do you make the uh, the launcher part, uh, not break? You know, like that compressed air or the or the propane gas that you plug in. How do you keep how do you keep that from blowing a hole through the back of the the pellet? Hmm. Um, but uh, that must have been quite an engineering feat to come up with something that would. Accelerate it to the you know to, to the right speed, yet not uh, uh, break it during its uh, max Q. Yeah, no, um, you're right. I, I never even thought about that aspect. If you're shooting it, no, but it, no, I don't. I don't think it, it's not like a regular gun where there's a hammer coming down on the ball. It's being shot out by air. Right. It's it's more like a it's more like a blowgun. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I I just don't know. Like there must be some upper limit of how much pressure you can apply to the back of the ball versus you know, going out into a uh, sea level air or right. whatever. The question is how many um, actually will explode, you know, before you even are able to shoot them, you know, you try and shoot it. Yeah. And misfire. It, you have yeah. the misfires inside of the gun itself, you know, the gun then, and will that jam up the gun or not, you know? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And if it's, you know, covered with that paint, that gooey paint, especially if it's got glitter in it, um, that must, uh, I guess it help. I guess it helps them sell new paint guns. Um, I know that the, I know that the hobby itself is not very cheap. The, some of those paint guns, can cost as much as uh, as regular firearms, so it's uh, it's it's definitely a, a wide range of uh, prices for uh, for getting into that hobby. Hmm. Interesting. How many people do you think get injured a year playing paintball? Ooh, um, I'll bet it's got a comma in it. Uh, it actually doesn't. It doesn't. Oh, okay. Wow. Oh, that's good. Then it's relatively safe for. I, I don't know how many people play it. Though, right. So no. So the, the I mean the, the the statistic that I have here is that there there. Uh, every of every hundred thousand participants, there's usually about forty five injuries. Okay. Hmm. So, you know, right. it's 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 it's, rel it's relatively yeah. low, and they say most of it is is because people are tripping and falling. 
not necessarily. Yeah, yeah. I would think that there's a lot of it's a lot of collateral damage, not uh, actual getting you know struck in the yeah. face. No, I'm assuming there are you know people who get eye injuries from from uh, yeah you know from it. Yeah, but most of the people that I see that that do it nowadays, they're wearing like a bike helmet and they've got all kinds of you know they've got like a chin guard and and, and uh, goggles. Yeah, yeah. Well, just because so, they or a, a full face. That's because nobody yeah. wants to have to pay the insurance for that. You know exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Here, I'm sure. I'm sure. It the, even says here, I'm sure for safety reasons, to... most regulated paintball fields strictly enforce a masks on policy, and will eject players who consistently disobey. Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> Probably signing like a 20-page uh, waiver form before you step on the field, yeah. too. But um, that's the world we live in. That's yeah. correct. Um, so, so wow. So, anyway. so back to Hans. <laughs> You know, yeah, the, yeah. the idea that, I mean, for me, it's even more fascinating now that I know that this was only invented seven years before the the movie yeah, came out. He was cutting you know, edge. He, yeah. You know, Hans already knew yeah. that, uh, you know, and, and, and he's able to think so quickly and say, oh, you know, this is what it is. It's because I was on a combat ranch, you know, with paintball. And yeah. I love the fact that he says red paint because I think at the beginning they mostly used red and then it started changing and they started using other colors. You know, because the the red, yeah. I guess, was the idea of being able to, you know, make it seem as if it's blood. Yeah, yeah, you can yell medic and stuff like that. Um, but now it's you know, all the greens and pinks and you know, just basically rainbow colors of. Uh, yeah. And you can find out who shot who by handing out which you know who what team gets right. the gets the credit. Correct. Right. And um, then uh, so John pulls out the gun and hands it over to to Hans, but first, which is the proper way of handing over a gun or a knife or anything like that. You know, I, my, my, my kids always laugh at me that, you know, when we're at the table and I'm passing a knife and I always turn it around and pass it butt first, you know, and they're like, why are you passing yeah, like that? Yeah. And I was like, well, because that's the way you're supposed to, to hand over a weapon. You're not supposed to, you know, <laughs> I mean, we're not, we're not yeah, passing guns around cool. the table, so you don't have to worry about that, but you know. Yeah, no, no. And, <laughs> and, and, you know, and tools of any, my, my dad, my dad was a boilermaker and, you know, and, and welding all, all the tools are rather sharp and dangerous. And he taught me from growing up uh, that if somebody hands you a tool, they hand it, to, hand it to you with the handle. And when you take it, you're supposed to say, thank you, I have it, so that you that they know you've got it and they can let go. Oh, interesting. Um, hmm. Because you don't want to, like, hand somebody an axe <laughs> and think, <laughs> oh, you've got the axe because, you know, you, you don't need all those toes anyway. Um, right. But, uh, yeah, that it's uh, it's tricky. Um, but, yeah, it's it seems... I, I don't understand. Like, I'm assuming that Hans knows how to fire, uh, fire a gun. And Hans or I would Bill? Assume that he knows. It. No, ha, ha, or yeah, both. Hans we know because we've already uh, seen Hans use Hans. Hans, we've, yeah. we've seen him yeah, use, a, use a use a handgun twice a gun. by yeah. by shooting both Takagi and Ellis. Yeah. So um, we see McLean uh, checks the action. He you know he slides he slides it and makes sure that it's working, and we're assuming. That not you know Bill can act uh, naive about things, but Hans would know uh, how to look at a, how to look at a weapon and find out if there's a you know if if, if there's one in the chamber if uh, if uh, he's actually handed him a loaded a loaded gun. Well, what John does um, here though is when he you know when when he's uh, loading the the gun, so he he manually closes the hammer. Which, yeah. which is something, you know, on the one hand, you, you say, okay, now you can see that, that, that it's loaded, but even when it's not loaded, you can do that. Yeah. You know, that's the thing. And, you know, Hans just assumes that he's just being really stupid. 
You know, Hans has has a look of yeah. disbelief on his face when he's being offered this gun. Yeah. And he's basically saying, you know, he, he says probably seems kind of stupid to you about the the paintball, but I think he's looking saying to himself that you're the stupid one here because you're gonna give me a loaded yeah, you, weapon. You, yeah. And uh McLean says that all you gotta do is pull the yeah. trigger, which um I would assume that he would have handed it to, to him at least like 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 Hans would know, if not Bill Clay, Hans would know if the safety was on or off. And if he's telling him all you got to do is pull the trigger, then the safety's right. off. Um, which I can't imagine that Hans would think that uh, McLean would be dumb enough to hand him uh, a gun with with the safety off. No, but if he, but if it's but, someone who doesn't really yeah. know how to use a gun, so you know, and let's let's talk in a theoretical world. You know that 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 John thinks that that Bill is going to be able to help him. He doesn't want Bill to be uh, obstructed by the fact that he needs to think about whether he needs to take the safety on or off if he's about to shoot. So from yeah. that that perspective, it's plausible for him to say, "All right, it's it's already. All you have to do is just pull the trigger." You know, and I love how he goes, "Time for the yeah. real thing, Bill." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all you got to do is pull the trigger. Come on, and. Uh, At this point, you know, Hans starts uh, talking in German. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he stops being Bill Clay, and he starts. He goes back to being Hans. I do like. There's a nice touch with the cinematography here, showing the difference in you know as the power structure is changing. He's armed now, and he doesn't have to be Bill Clay anymore because he thinks he's got the upper hand. He's he's behind McLean, and he could shoot him anytime he wants. Um, But he. uh, they show they show McLean's bare yes. feet, and then they show the cigarette. They uh, they yeah they yeah they show something that something that McLean can't do. Hans stomp, stomps out yeah. the cigarette, and uh, then pulls out the walkie-talkie and and starts uh, telling his uh, his henchmen to come to the thirty. Yeah. Now floor. what's really funny is if you look when when he takes the gun, you see that his hand, Hans's hand is is completely, uh, his fingers are spread apart, and like his pinky is really, really low. You know, it's a very yeah. strange way to be taking to, to be taking a gun, especially for somebody yeah. who, who has experience with it. You know, if it's Bill, I can understand that he's going to take it awkwardly. But but Hans, I guess, continues yeah. the facade and, you know, still pretends that, that he knows what he's doing here or that he doesn't know what he's doing. Yeah, yeah. So we... Uh... Yeah. We get we get that sound. I mean, Hans Hans drops his his voice by about an octave and just says that you know that heavy Alan Rickman voice. Put down the gun and give me my detonators. Yeah. I mean, it's just and uh, and it's great because we we see John in the in in the in the foreground uh, in focus, and you got Hans yeah. out of focus in the back, but you can still see what he's doing. You can see that he's talking on a on, on the CB. You can see that he's got his gun in his hand. And the look on John's face yeah. is, I was right. I knew it. Yeah. <laughs> and he does, he does that, that, you know, I, I think I, I'm pretty sure that this is not the only uh, show where, uh, where Bruce Willis has said, well, 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 because it just, it, it comes, it comes about so naturally. I swear I've heard that on Moonlighting a couple episodes, but uh, it just—it's perfect. It's perfect, John McClane, as he's yeah. you know sizing things up and realizing that. I mean, it sounds like he's—he he sounds like he's supposed to be surprised, and he's Correct. not. 
Correct. Um, and Hans, I think, is surprised that he's not surprised. Um, and yeah. and the way that that, that Jan de Bant uh, does the, the cinematography here is great because you know I mentioned before that that first we see John in focus and Hans out of focus, and then they switch it. You yeah. know, and then we see yeah, right then we through. see Hans, you know, pointing the gun at him. Uh, again, his his pinky actually is in a very strange place also because there's there's a large gap between his ring finger and his pinky by the way that he's holding the gun. Yeah. You know, which is which is um, interesting, and you know, at this point, Hans then lays out his demands. He wants his detonators. Get me my detonators. And the lighting becomes very extreme at that point with uh, uh, McLean, and he's got it, it, it's kind of like he's got the cigarette in his mouth, but it looks like he's gritting it with yeah. his teeth when when he starts the well, well, well thing, and that that beautiful, it's almost like a Batman uh, that Dutch angle where he's he's off to the you know he's off to the to the right corner of the screen and uh and just with the the lighting from below all very sinister looking and you know the stakes have changed dramatically that uh Hans has revealed himself and we're expecting oh now now uh McLean's in real trouble yeah. but you know well, well I don't want to spoil but it he, he, and he does uh, it so nonchalantly he, you know he just like takes a puff of his cigarette yeah. he's like you know, I, again, I, we discussed this earlier this week. I, I you know, I, I wish I could see this movie for the first time again. You know, and 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 yeah. then know what my reaction is to, to to this type of scene. To say to myself, okay, what does he know, or what doesn't he know, and what is he doing? You know, yeah, it's 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 it, it's almost like McLean has his own A seven scenario in his head. It's like, ah, hey, well, this is how it's going to play yeah. out, and he's gonna he's gonna reveal himself any minute, and he's you know known all along. Um, but yeah, just it really these these constant switcheroos on who's in charge. Uh, it's it's beautiful the way the, the way the script builds itself up into this. Um, yeah, but uh, very enjoyable. Yeah, there's no question about that. They they, they do that really well. Um, and I mean the the the, the way that the, this whole minute plays out is great. You know, because it starts off that the two of them are having this friendly little conversation about, uh, you know, about paintball. And and then it ends up that, uh, you know, John has proven himself right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but a great, yeah. It, and it's a great, I mean, this kind of like, the scene is almost over. I mean, it's got maybe another 30, 30 seconds to a minute here. But this this whole open and close of the, we've, we've been through the entire life of Bill Clay yes. now. It's from um from from where he appears and i would you know and since we've talked about um pre previously um on on uh, on the show we talked about bill clay possibly being the inside uh, man the patsy yeah. or the, the the inside man and i would love the more i thought the more i've thought about it over or you know since since yesterday the uh the whole idea of having bill clay being the next um, bad guy in the uh, Die Hard universe uh, would have been great. That we find out that he he's the one that had all the you know like he he escaped with what was left of the gang's money besides what was you know before they had Nakatoma they had done some other jobs and he knew where he knew where all the bodies were buried so he went around picking things up and then he was the mastermind for an, another couple of heists with different themes um, and just having. Uh, McLean meet up with the evil genius Bill Clay in a later movie would have been fantastic. <laughs> yeah, but I I, um, I, I agree with you that would have been that would have been great. But but when I think of uh, Bill Clay as the inside man, I think of him as this uh, you know sniveling little uh, banker 
you know, who, oh. you yeah, know, like, not someone who yeah. really could plan the whole thing. Uh, he might be able to plan it, but not implement it. You know, and and for him to, he, I yeah. can't see him as a mastermind. I see him as somebody who who you know was in debt and needed uh, a way to get it. So you know, he got in touch with a friend who got in touch with a friend who got in touch with a friend that that happens to know this master thief named Hans Gruber pretending to be a terrorist. Yeah, he, he could have been he could have been another Ellis basically. I mean, it's it's uh you know another version of Ellis that he was he had a he was bigger in his mind than he really was. He didn't know he was. He wasn't as smart as Hans was. Right. And uh, I mean, the off-screen possibility is that once uh, Hans had all he the information, him. you know, he, <laughs> he wound up. Yeah, yeah, he wound up going down an elevator Bill, shaft Bill somewhere. Clay, Bill Clay's um, in uh, in Theo's trunk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it would have been it would have been inter interesting. I mean, there's so many different side side paths yeah. to take on here, but. Uh, uh, they did. They did a bunch of a bunch of other ones. I mean, the bringing in, bring. Well, I'll leave that. No, you can talk about the, the the fact that they bring uh, in his brother and all that yeah. stuff, whatever. But is the, the idea of bringing in his brother? His brother isn't really there to 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 try to uh, defend his own brother's honor. Yeah, you know, they didn't. They didn't really like each other. Yeah, it was just an excuse. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, it 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 was uh. Yeah, kind of. I mean, they had to make a Die Hard too, simply because you don't leave money on the table right. like that. So, um, it. Um, but it, I, I in in many ways, I don't like sequels, simply because I think it uh, waters down the brand. And it, usually, the sequel is a replay of the original uh, done in a, yeah. in a weaker form. I, I completely agree with you. There, um, there are a few exceptions, but but yeah, in general, that's the way it is. Yeah. But but on the other hand, when you watch a movie and it ends, and you say to yourself, "Okay, what happens to the characters now?" You know that that's that's part of the thing. You, yeah. Because we we get to see these characters for a set period of time, and then you're 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 you know sometimes at the end of a movie you'll have a little scroll saying what happens to the characters. Usually that's. Uh, on real life stories, uh, sometimes not. Sometimes it's just yeah. for for the fun of it. You know, they're telling us what it is. But like, for instance, a, a perfect example is the movie Unlawful Entry. Have you ever seen that with Ray Liotta and Kurt Russell? No, no, I know it's. I know it's okay, very good. So it's a, it's a great th thriller. It's about a cop who's stalking a a uh, newlywed couple. Okay, or or a couple. I don't know. I don't remember how long they were married. It doesn't really matter. The bottom line is, is everything happens. You know, in the end, the, the good guys win, as in all these type of movies, and they're sitting on the porch, and you hear police coming in the distance. And I say to myself, okay, how are they going to explain to the police what happened here? You know, that's the scene I want to see. You know, the cop shows up, and they say, yeah, there, yeah, one of your guys was stalking me and my wife and tried to kill me, so instead I killed him first. Sorry to give away that, that <laughs> sorry to spoil that, but, you know, how do you get away with that? Like how how do you explain that type of thing? Which is why they stopped the movie before that because there is no way of explaining it, you know, in a plausible way. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. but when you're watching a movie and you're getting into the characters and into the story, you say to yourself, okay, I want to know what's going to happen next. You know. Yeah, it, it's yeah, and then, yeah, and then what? But it's like you know, like Gone with the Wind. Do you really care what happens to Scarlet? Frankly, I mean, my dear, a, I don't give a damn. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly. You know, I mean, do you do you really want to follow the fur, the further adventures of uh, Rick and Louie after uh, you know the end of Cosmic? Uh, maybe Blanca? you do. Maybe something. Maybe um, something fun could happen to them along the way. You know. Yeah, yeah. It's 
it's um it's peculiar just to to think about you know what what could what could go and you know I'm sure there are people there was even a there was even a a television series I think in 1983 where David Soul took over the role of Humphrey Bogart and they basically set it in uh, Rick's Cafe American but uh, but they they kind of ignored um, they, like it's as if Ilsa never showed up <laughs> okay. and uh, they kind of, you know they kind of went on with this it's kind of a prequel I guess the story before what uh, what happened with uh, getting in and you know they, they just try to turn it into a regular weekly drama but the problem is that you you all those in a movie the character has to grow from the beginning of the movie to the end of the movie so if you stick them in a drama where they have to keep coming back like Columbo or things like that even though it's very good you can't let them grow you can't right. let them change like the Simpsons and uh, <laughs> but yeah exactly yeah. yeah yeah well they they did kill off Ned's wife so I gotta say there's <laughs> there there is some changes on there but not not many um but yeah, it's a it's it's a difficulty in that you do have to grow in the first movie, but getting into the second movie, then you have to explain the the people you couldn't right. get back and the you know it, it's like oh you know Bonnie Bedelia is, is she, you know she doesn't come back for the third movie so she's either dead or divorced or you know all, everything that they had told you about how their love was renewed that was a lie so yeah. it goes out the window, um, and it's it's rough anyway it's they're gonna yes. make movies anyway yes. um, and hopefully so, they're gonna make entertaining ones uh, and so we can discuss minute by minute yeah. Yes, definitely. Wow. <laughs> well, this has been a, a fascinating week of uh, of chatting about this movie yet again. Yeah. I, it's it's. I I thought I'd never revisit this movie at such a uh, at at such a microscopic level again. There you go, and and uh, that's why you have different uh, so, minutes to talk about. So you're not you're not rehashing everything that you talked about beforehand the last time. So yeah. So the yeah, script no, has a few fine. minor discrepancies once again. Instead of Hans or instead of Bill saying probably seems kind of stupid to you it says uh, must sound pretty silly to you again doesn't really make a difference um and mclean actually answers him and says sounds better than nothing which hmm. you know okay it's it, he if he's really talking to bill clay that makes a lot of sense if he's suspecting that this is hans or someone else it doesn't make sense for him to say that so you know he's he's sort of yeah, it's little, exactly. little, little tweaks. tweaks. And and then the, the, the final other changes is uh Hans doesn't speak in German into the into the radio and he goes he says in English, Carl, Franco, I'm on thirty three, come quickly. And then he turns to to McLean and says, hmm. Put down your gun and give me the detonators. And there is no well well well. <laughs> so that could have been a uh, uh that no. could have been a, a Bruce Willis uh uh you know, that's his, that's his, I'll uh, be maybe, back. Yeah. Maybe. Well, no, we know what his, I'll be back is. I, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that goes without saying yeah. when you, when you think of, when you think of uh, John McClane, yeah. you think of Bruce Willis. There's only one There's phrase. Only exactly. one phrase yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I, one thing I've always, I, I know that, you know, when we get to uh, a couple of uh, sequels down the road, when you get to die hard with a vengeance, um, I was kind of sad that uh, Hans's brother was named Simon, because it would have been great if his name was Franz. That's right. Not only because of the Saturday Night Live Hans and Franz, but Franz Gruber was the composer yes. of Silent Night, which yes. is a Christmas Carol, which would have tied in another Christmas story on this. So, but you know, they had their chance and they muffed it. So, oh well, oh, blame it, um, blame McTernan. But it's just, <laughs> among yeah. other things that what, that we can all blame him but, for, uh, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, he did. He did right by this movie, though. I, I, yeah. I do enjoy this movie. It Very. is rewatchable, and uh, it's it's even re-reviewable. I can tell. You. I can I can swear to that. <laughs> um, but uh, like, I, again, thank you so much for having me on for for this week. It's it's I'm been glad, a lot of fun. Glad, but, but we have one more thing and, we need uh, to do here. So we have uh, every every Friday we oh, have yeah, a, yeah. a segment called Weekend Surprise, where I. I Sometimes surprise my guests with with a question. Now, Die Hard is one of the most controversial discussions about Die Hard is is Die Hard a Christmas movie or not? So, uh, what do you think? Do you, would you classify it as a Christmas movie? And make sure that you uh, you know show your work. Show my work. Okay. Well, yeah. I, I one of the, one of the I could say that it's a Christmas movie because we do watch it uh, every every Christmas. Um, maybe not on Christmas Eve. Maybe not on Christmas Day. But somewhere. Somewhere in that uh, that period between, say, the the twentieth and New Year's, we'll we'll watch uh, we we watch Die Hard, and uh, I usually like watching it early Christmas Eve. Um, and to me, it's a Christmas movie in the same sense. There are lots of other movies that are that are shaped around Christmas. Um, the Nightmare Before Christmas, even though it starts in Halloween, I consider a Christmas film. Um, there are uh, there's so many elements to this. It's about it's about families getting together in difficult situations. I mean, you've got uh, John and Holly are estranged, and uh, it's about reuniting a family. That's one of the one of the threads running through this movie. So it is a it's a family, despite all the uh, uh, blood, devastation, death, war, and horror that's going on in the background. It is a, a movie about uh, re uh, uh, reconciliation and uh, and mm-hmm. uh, reunions. So multiple multiple ones. Uh, there's a lot of uh, uh, there's a lot of Christmas themes going on in it. There's a lot of things that couldn't happen except for it being Christmas. It's a uh, there's a skeleton crew at Nakatomi Tower. It's it's abandoned except for the little Christmas party. Um, the very fact that it's set on Christmas Eve. Um, there's all kinds of things going on from the very beginning of the movie. You've got the giant teddy bear sitting next to. John McClane you know, signifying a gift. Now, do you, do you know where that teddy bear shows up in another movie? Um, no, I do not. We we talked about it earlier this week. Um, well, it was an Empire Strikes Back. Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> it's not science fiction. <laughs> uh, was it uh, Was it in another uh, McTiernan movie? I don't know if it was. Yes, it was. Was it in, uh, let's see, uh, Last Action Hero? No, we didn't talk about that this week. We oh. talked about a different McTiernan movie this week. Um, wow. Dealing with the Cold War. Um, hang on. Oh, Hunt for Red October, really? Oh, it's it's in there. The Hunt for Red October. It's in the very last scene when we see uh, Alec Baldwin. Getting home. You know, Jack Ryan yeah. on the plane. So next to him on the plane ah. is, is a bear because his, cause his daughter asks him for a baby brother. Ah, okay. I So the same bear is used. Ah, okay, so it's it's McTiernan's lucky bear. I I have to tell you a story about he should have he should have continued to use it. it might yeah, have yeah, who knows? I mean, <laughs> Last Action Hero could have used anything for, for for getting getting a little bit luckier at the box office. Um I got to tell you the first yeah. the first place I ever saw um Hunt for Red October and I only saw the first uh maybe 15 minutes of it. Uh if you remember the opening of it, it's um uh, Alec Alec Baldwin is in a plane and he is he has terrible fear of flying, and he's flying through yes. a storm and he's very getting very nervous about the whole thing. Well, I I saw this movie. Uh, I was working for the working for a British aircraft company, and I was flying from uh, JFK in New York to Heathrow, 
And right about the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, they started the movie. This is before everybody had their own head, you know, their own screens in front of them. That was this was the movie that we were all going to watch. And uh, so they were showing the beginning of uh, the Hunt for Red October. And as we're watching the movie, there started being this loud thumping noise in the plane. We're in a 747 over the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. And so this loud thump, 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 thump is coming from the left-hand side of the plane. So the people that are sitting on the left-hand side of the plane put up their curtains that we, you know, everything was dark to, to watch the movie. This middle of the day. And out the left-hand side of the plane, there was a big chunk of the left wing was blowing up in the air and flapping. And every time, it, oh my God. every time it flapped, the plane <laughs> went left, and all of a sudden, a big hunk of the the, uh, the the skin of the left wing, what they call delaminated, it peeled off and blew away and hit the vertical stabilizer behind us. Uh, we're at thirty thousand feet. The plane makes a sudden left bank, and we start going down in a spiral. And we're going down from thirty thousand feet to twenty thousand feet to ten thousand feet, and we are not pulling out of this dive, this spiral turn going down toward the ocean. And um, at 2,000 feet, he finally pulls up, and we're flying just about over the waves. And uh, the uh, captain came on and said, uh, we've had some problems with the left wing. We're talking to the engineers back at uh, Kennedy, and uh, they're telling us we will not make it to uh, Heathrow. And everybody's like, oh, no. So he said, we will be landing in Shannon. And then he came back on the – and he said, Shannon's in Ireland, by the way. So – uh, and he said, and that's uh, two hours and 50 minutes in front of us. So the plane is shuddering along at a, you know, over the wave tops uh, for uh, almost three hours. And uh, we had to make a, an emergency landing in Shannon with the, you know, the whole thing where you had to put your hands on the on the seat in front of you and prepare to crash. Oh, wow. But he landed it perfectly. Very scary. And, uh, I never got to see the end of uh, Hunt for Red October that time because, you know, they turned everything everything off so they could make all these announcements but uh, every time i see hunt for red october i get that same thump in my stomach that uh, alec baldwin was having at the beginning of the movie anyway that's my only hunt for red october oh, wow. story that i have but it's a pretty good one um <laughs> but you've seen the movie since, yes right? yes i've seen it uh end to oh. end and i i've gotten over my uh, my fear of uh, i figured how it'll never happen twice so <laughs> i feel really good getting on planes nowadays <laughs> that's very good all right. So, Jim, you want to, for one last time this week, let people know how they can find Jim O'Kane. Yeah, I'm, I'm everywhere, pretty much. You just type jimokane.com, and you can find all of my uh, all of my works out there. Uh, we, you know, we both belong to a group called Movies by Minutes, and uh, at moviesbyminutes.com, you can find many of my my shows. But jimokane.com has all the ones that I either produced or hosted or both. So, uh, so check that out. We're always available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play. If you type in uh, Things like the Rocketeer Minute, RocketeerMinute.com, or uh, uh, we have we have Apollo 13. Yeah, Apollo 13. Um, I, we did as you're doing here. We did uh, Die Hard Minutes. So you can go to DieHardMinute.com if you want to hear the alternate version of this particular minute. You can go out and, and hear those. Um, but uh, yeah, JimOKane.com is probably the, the best place to to track my stuff down. You see, it's always, it's always nice to have an alternate uh, alternate world. Yeah, you know we're we're uh, we're the we're the Coke and Pepsi. The, we're in the yeah. multiverse. Yeah, this is the this is the multiverse. Yeah, that's right. The multiverse of, of Die Hard. You know, so, somebody's going to do this again, which, you know, I, they, they remake movies all the time. We might as well make re, remake movie reviews all the time, get a different take, get a different view. So I'm all in Yeah, favor. but you see, I, as I mentioned earlier this week, I'm not a fan of, of remaking movies because usually the remake is bad. Yeah. So I don't want that to be thought of. No, no. no I don't just, want this show to be thought of that way. No, no. It's, it's, <laughs> it's different. It's, it's, it's different. It's uh, 
it's definitely, uh, uh, you know, some people put uh, ketchup on their hot dogs, some people put mustard and uh, it's, you know, it's all, it's, it's all a matter of taste and it's, it's good to try, you know, we're like a buffet at movies by minutes. So, uh, so you know, you can come back and try, try different brands. <laughs> all right, great. And finding me is very simple. Just do a quick search for Movie Rob Minute. You can find me on Facebook, find me on Twitter, or you can go directly to my website, MovieRobMinute.com. So once again, Jim, thank you very much. This was this was a great week. I had a lot of fun. Me too. Uh, hopefully you did too. Hopefully everyone listening is also enjoying our conversations. And uh, I'll be back on, on Monday with, with another guest. So until Monday, yippee-ki-yay. Yippee-ki-yay. yippee ki